It's time for episode 145 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, July 13th, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that ain't afraid of no ghosts. I'm your co-host and <laughs> Ghostbuster, Dan Morin, and across the internet for me is my co-host and fellow Ghostbuster, Jason Snell. He slimed me, Dan. <laughs> this is Clockwise, 30 minutes, four tech topics, bad references to old movies that are being remade. And two fantastic guests, right? Uh-huh, so indeed. to my left, uh, our, our very one of our very favorites, the co-host of the Accidental Tech Podcast, as well as many other podcasts, including Analog here on Relay FM, Mr. Casey Liss. Hi, Casey. Hello. Am I a Ghostbuster or am I just an honorary Ghostbuster? We're all Ghostbusters here. We are the Ghostbusters today, all four of us. (laughs) To my left, a first-time guest on Clockwise, although I've known her for a very long time. She's the editor-in-chief of Take Control Books and Tidbits. Uh, It's Tonya Engst. Hello. Hello. It is great to be here. Uh, So this is the show where we talk about four tech topics, and I'll lead us off. Uh, there's news going around on the web this week that Apple is apparently doing a reality show about apps. This was rumored uh, several months ago, but now there seem to be more details leaking out. Uh, I think the, the working title I heard is Planet of the Apps. Uh, that sounds hilarious. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and it seems to be sort of, some people have equated it to sort of like a Shark Tank-ish, you know, take on the app economy. I'm curious to know from you guys, who, I mean, obviously we're all technophiles here, we use apps a lot. Do you think this this is appeal to you? And beyond that, do you think it appeals to anyone beyond sort of the techie segment of the population? Is this something that people who just use apps all day will really be interested in um, that could drive attention to apps? Um, do you think this is, like, just in general, I'm curious to know if this, uh, this interests you or not. Casey, what do you think? Uh, it's hard. I think this does interest me at least in passing, and I'm sure I'll watch at least a little bit of it. Um, I am an app developer professionally. Uh, I work for a company and work on their, um, iPhone app. And so it's right up my alley in that regard. I also watch probably more reality TV than I'd care to admit in a public <laughs> venue. Um, most of it really genuinely terrible. So it, it appeals to me in that regard. The kind of person that would want to be on this kind of show, though, I don't presumed to be a terribly accurate representation of me and that they need to be somebody, I don't know, who likes to hear themselves talk like on a show, like weekly, just hypothetically. So maybe it is a little bit like me after all. But um, I don't know. It's it's it, Development isn't exciting. It isn't sexy in the traditional sense. And so I'm very curious to see how they make it look interesting. I mean, it worked on Social Network, the movie, but we'll see how it works here. I, uh, I've seen Shark Tank a couple of times and, you know, it, it doesn't really appeal to me, uh, but it does appeal to a lot of people. And I, I gotta say, I kind of think this show idea is a good one because I think the average person uses apps. Their average person is a smartphone user. They've got apps. They've got a game that they want. They've got some clever app. And I think back to the whole how, how the there's an app for that kind of phenomenon began and the idea that that people really embraced downloading software, third-party software uh, for the first time a lot of people was with the smartphone and with the app store. So I think it does have a resonance that, that the idea that people have... I think the, the average person can judge whether they think an app idea is a good one or not. And so for something that would be Shark Tank-like, I I actually think it could be successful. I'm not sure if techie people will be anything but 
insanely frustrated by it because I saw <laughs> I saw an exchange uh, among some of the people we know who who were saying you know are they going to be giving advice about about using uh, using Objective C or Swift or things like that? It's like nope, they're not going to do that. It's not that's not what show it is. But I could see how there could be a very entertaining show for uh, for the general public because the general public loves apps, and I think every smartphone user has a, a kind of an armchair quarterback's opinion about uh, oh yeah that's a great idea i'd love that app or oh that's stupid i'd never use that and that is the opinion that drives reality tv so i think it could be a very successful show i think i agree with with jason this uh planet of the apps show that's what (laughs) they're going to call it i think it'll be pretty interesting to watch at least at first Speaking for myself, I really like to watch TV shows where the characters are struggling with the same problems that I have in my real life. And in my real life, even though I don't actually, uh, my company doesn't develop apps, or at least we haven't yet, we develop ebooks, which are not that different. I'm hoping that in Planet of the Apps, it won't just be about like watching people try to debunk their code, but it will be about getting people to do their very best in a short period of time. Now, I happen to live in a house with a 17-year-old boy who <laughs> aspires to perhaps uh, have an internship or a job in Silicon Valley someday, and it seems like the kind of thing that a lot of teens like him will either want to watch or at least fantasize about being on, because really, I live in upstate New York. It's a pretty rural area. We're pretty removed from some of the excitement of the tech industry, and I think for some of the kids here anyway, this is it's this kind of like a very different kind of um, reality TV show where you know a geek could aspire to be on it, and I, I think it will be popular at least in in that audience of teens. Yeah, I, I think you guys brought me around. Uh, I was going into this thinking this sounds silly. I, I'd never watched this, but I think you've all made some really solid points about what could be really appealing about it, uh, and. I think as the app market has gotten more and more mature and it's harder and harder to sort of make your app stand out, this certainly at least adds another category of ways to make your app jump out at people. <laughs> so there's that. Not that it's something that you can necessarily plan on, but it's it's taken it in a new dimension. And as someone who doesn't really watch a lot of reality shows in general, like I, I've never been tempted to watch like a second of American Idol or any of the other like song shows because I'm just not that into like, you know, that ele- that element of music. Um, but this is something I feel like I could actually uh, I could actually possibly relate to, as you guys are saying. And it seems like it could be kind of interesting if it's done well. Uh, and I at least have to say that I do think they should go with Planet of the Apps. Because if nothing else, I think that really gives you an idea of like what kind of attitude to expect from it. So I hope they go down <laughs> that vein more than anything else. Uh, well, thanks for your input on that. Let's go to topic number two from Casey Liss. All right. So my topic for today, what is the unsung hero of your phone or perhaps taglet or, tablet or um, computer? Not the app like maybe TweetBot that you live in all the time, but one that's super important to you and maybe only you. Maybe only use it occasionally, but it's important. So... Uh, I will kind of cue you off by giving my own answer uh, instead of being polite like Dan and waiting. Uh, what I, I would say that my runner-up is probably Workflow because I do use that app for a couple of very simple workflows pretty much every day. But my actual winner is going to be Google Photos because I find constantly that I am looking for a particular photo taken at a particular time or a particular place. And to do so by any other means is very, very frustrating. And I'm often doing it like in a conversation with somebody. And so having my entire photo library right there in my pocket and fairly easily and robustly searchable is amazing. So I'm going to go with Google 
Google Photos. I'm going to say Nuzzle, which is the only news aggregation app like RSS Reader, anything that I've ever stuck with. And it's a uh, it uses my Twitter feed and my Twitter lists and my Facebook feed. And from that, it generates a, uh, a list of stories that people I follow are sharing. And I find that incredibly valuable because most of the news I get now that isn't a couple of select sort of sites or subscriptions that I've got comes from people passing it around on on social media. And that's what Nuzzle uh, brings to the fore. It looks like a newsreader. It's N-U-Z-Z-E-L. Uh, it's got a cute little icon of a hedgehog. <laughs> but it looks like a, a headline list. It looks like a normal newsreader. And it's only when you tap through that you get a little thing at the bottom that shows you all the tweets that link to it, who they were from, and what they had to say about the article. But you can also just read the article. I think it's very, uh, it's a really useful tool. Not enough people know about it. And if you're like me and you use social media as a as a newsreader already, this is great because it aggregates that all. And instead of having you have to kind of like see them as you're checking your stream, it's just they're all put together in one place. It's pretty great. For my Unsung Hero Award, I decided to anoint Duolingo. Duolingo is an app that provides you with canned lessons in a lot of different languages. And a while back, I chose French because I've always wanted to have a French accent. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't really have a French accent, but when I use Duo, Duolingo is um, when I end up with unexpected and otherwise annoying extra time involved with driving my son around um, whenever there's sort of an awkward extra 10 minutes when I'm just sort of sitting there in the carpool pickup line, I pull out Duolingo and it comes to the rescue of making me just tense and annoyed and I learn French. Uh, it quizzes me in sort of an engaging way but not an addictive way and it asks questions in French and English and you get to listen to people talking in French and you even get to talk into your iPhone in French and then it sort of sends your French up into the cloud and then comes back and tells you whether whether you were good enough or not. And the, the trick is to mostly like not say the last syllable in whatever the word is <laughs> that usually works out pretty well. Um, I still can't really say much more than like merci and au revoir, but my ability to read French has actually improved. So uh, my like superhero, unsung superhero app is Duolingo. Excellent. Très bien, Tonya. <laughs> I'm going to go down the nerdy route here and pick Prompt by Panic, Ooh. which is Ooh. basically a, a, an SSH client that you can run on your iOS device. Uh, you know what? I like working in the terminal a lot of times, and I do spend some time doing some server management stuff for like sites that I host. So I, I love having that as just like a way to pop into the command line on my uh, iOS device, especially on my uh, iPad, where you can just sort of like blow it up, and it's like, yeah, I'm Unix, I know this. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I, I I think it's it's whacking. It's a nerdy idea, but I really love it. And Panic, you know, is obviously a great developer, and so they spend a lot of time like making it look really good and making it work really well, uh, so that it, it, despite being something that kind of feels like yesteryear's technology, it has all those modern bells and whistles. It's got Touch ID, and you can have multiple sessions open at once, and all that great stuff. Uh, it's got like terminal coloring and all that. So I, you know, it's super nerdy, um, but and I don't use it every day. But when I do need it, it is utterly and totally invaluable because there's just I found nothing else that's quite that good. So that's my pick. 
All right. Well, that is two excellent topics down. Two more to go. We're only halfway through. Uh, let me tell you about our halftime sponsor. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Linode, combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight different data centers all around the world, makes Linode a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in less than a minute, that's right, and plans start at just $10 a month, and now that plan will get you two gigabytes of RAM on that server. You can choose your resources, choose your Linux distro, choose your node location right from the web-based manager tool. It's super easy. Uh, And once you're up and running, you can deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. I, I have a Linode server myself. It's so easy to use. Now, Linode servers offer industry-leading native SSD storage. They've got powerful Intel E5 processors, the fastest you can get in the cloud market, access to Linode's 40 gigabit network with multiple levels of redundancy. They've got an API that lets you easily automate tasks or develop custom apps in the cloud. And all of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. So you're not going to get an ugly surprise at the end of the month. You're going to know exactly what what you're paying for your server. Now, as a listener to Clockwise, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you'll not just be supporting Clockwise, you'll also get $20 toward any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's really no reason not to give it a try. Go to linode.com slash clockwise. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash clockwise to learn more. Sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or use the promo code clockwise20 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for being the halftime sponsor of clockwise. All right, my turn to go. I uh, decided to take the Pokemon Go question. <laughs> if Pokemon Go is sweeping the nation, uh, and really, let's just keep this simple. Have you played it? Do you have any thoughts about it? Whether you've played it or not, really, you can have thoughts about it. Are games that use the real world and interact with the real world a good idea, or is this just LARPing? For those who don't know, that's uh, that's live action role playing when you actually say, "I am a vampire and wander around the streets at night." Uh, is <laughs> this just that. LARPing with it's an unsafe. app? <laughs> I, I don't recommend it. What do you think about Pokemon Go, Tanya? Something that you guys might not know about me, Casey certainly doesn't know it about me because he's never met me in person, (laughs) um, is when I was in college, one thing became obvious very quickly, which was that when I start playing a video game, I can't really make myself stop. I think the question really isn't whether I'll play it, but when, just because it's such an interesting, <laughs> like an interesting sort of sociological uh, thing. And uh, I think it sounds fun and just fascinating that people who uh, would normally be like inside playing games, I keep hearing this from fellow moms that they're older teens and college age. Uh, students who are home for the summer are leaving their house to go out in the world and play and meeting their friends who have also done the same thing. Uh, but I, I just think it's it's utterly fascinating that we're uh, basically turning parks and cities and things into this crazy sort of modern playground for people. Uh, I've used it a very small amount. I mm-hmm. was over with some family this weekend and uh, my cousin's kids who are uh, 11 and 9 were already super into this and both of them apparently at camp like they knew so much about this that i did not know they're like oh yeah yeah we've been our friend has an iphone at camp and we've been using this win a field trip to the zoo and there were pokemon in the gorilla cage (laughs) it's like okay sure (laughs) one of my friends has documented a park locally which has just had like masses of people like sitting around on their phones in it for the last week um and i every time i like pass people on the street i sort of glance at their phones to see if they're just standing around looking for pokemon um and and that to me is i've never seen a phenomenon with this much 
uptick you know immediately before it just seems unprecedented to me and it, it does hit that sweet spot of you know the stuff to collect you know scratch that itch of like oh i got i gotta collect them it's it's in the idea collect them all it's right there <laughs> uh pre-existing franchises and i think some clever ar and you know uh location aware stuff that has really uh, for the first time, made it compelling to go and do that because these types of games have existed before. These, these particularly these developers, I think, worked on uh, Ingress, which was the uh, a previous popular one. Right. Uh, one of my cousins swore by a game called Shadow Cities, which was also kind of similar. Um, but I think the you know having such a popular franchise really really help this take off so quickly and and it's clever i mean i i don't know that it's the best game in the world but like they they've clearly hit upon a winning formula you know i don't begrudge anybody their fun collecting pokemon it's it's a very clever idea and i think that it shows that there is a lot of potential for ar especially where games exist uh, dan and i are roughly the same age and when i was in high school and early college i worked at a babbage's which um is kind of like an electronics boutique think of it as mm-hmm. a video game and software store and Every day at one of the years I worked there, every day at about 3 p.m., the phones would light up and it would always be this little teeny tiny voice. Hi, do you have any Pokemon cards? Nope, we're sold out. Try again another time. Bring. Hi, do you have any Pokemon cards? <laughs> nope, we're sold out. Try again. And so I have like this latent hatred for Pokemon just based on that <laughs> because I heard that nonstop for months. That being said, I also have an unbelievably strong fear of missing out. And so I have downloaded and tried it um, in suburban uh, in the suburban areas outside of Richmond, Virginia. They're not it's not terribly exciting like I think it would be at a big city. But seeing all the reports of people meeting strangers and hanging out and, and finding Pokemon and other Pokemon players, I find to be absolutely endearing and, and fascinating. And I just I think it would be remiss of me not to mention uh, Greg Pierce, who is a developer friend of mine, tweeted the following a few days ago, which which I thought absolutely was the best hot take on uh, on Pokemon <laughs> Go, which was on vacation and not keeping up. But a glance at Twitter suggests Nintendo made geocaching cuter and everyone is going nuts. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I think that's about right. So I just thought that was hysterical. As, as a geocacher from time to time, I thought that was a very mm-hmm. accurate uh, take. So yes, I've tried it. I don't know if I'll stick with it, but it is certainly endearing and, and interesting, if nothing else. Uh, I'll tell you, it's gotten my kids out of the house way more this summer than anything else. And, <laughs> and I'm glad to have them moving around and wa- and walking, uh, going for walks in with enthusiasm instead of complaining that their stupid parents are taking them, making them go out for a walk. <laughs> and it's so boring. So I'll take it is what I'm saying. I'll take it. Uh, all right. Thank you for your uh, thank you for your topic uh, responses. And now we move on to our last topic. Tanya, what do you have for us? My question concerns the cloud, and I'm not talking about the clouds outside. <laughs> uh, with more and more of our data being stored in the cloud these days through services like Dropbox, Google Apps, and Apple's iCloud, it's almost possible to store all your stuff and data in the cloud instead of locally. And for example, with Google's Chrome OS, it's entirely possible. So my question is, where do you stand when it comes to working in the cloud? Are most of your files local or most up in the cloud? And assuming that you work on cloud-based files at least some of the time, how comfortable do you feel about the security and privacy of your data? Well, to start off, can you tell me what kind of Pokemon I can find in the cloud? <laughs> um, I I kind of have a piecemeal approach, and I think this is one of those situations where there are so many different 
uh, cloud providers, and some of them are better at some things than others. So, for example, you know, as we're doing this show, we have a spreadsheet that is in Google Docs because it's really easy to share out amongst the participants and have us all look at it. I don't think that data is stored anywhere else. Um, I have some writing documents. Uh, you know, when I do stuff for work um, or work on my own fiction stuff. I use Dropbox for a lot of that because it's easy to access on multiple computers and because it also gives me a sort of safety net. You know, the idea that they're backing up my data, I can restore previous versions if I need to. It's handy to feel like, okay, even though I back up separately, you know, doing my usual backup regimen, at least I also have a, a an offsite copy. Uh, I use iCloud for some stuff, some personal documents. So like when I generate invoices or keep track of my finances, a lot of that is stored in iCloud in general, I feel okay about the privacy and security. I mean, I think for a lot of these companies, it's important and they know how important it is to the users um, so that privacy and security are something that they have to obviously spend a lot of time focusing on, a lot of time talking about how good it is. So I, I don't find myself too worried about that. I do occasionally get a little wary about some stuff that I feel like is more than just, you know, data that is is important to me, but data that might be, you know, contained like personal information. So for example, I have backups of like my taxes, but I'm always very hesitant to put those in something like Dropbox, even though there is security in something like there, taking them off my computer, it's far more likely that there could be a, you know, a breach in a in a cloud security service than than probably in my local computer, which would probably be a little harder or less visible target. So I, I try to maintain sort of a different levels of, you know, security and privacy depending on where we are. But it really do feel like I've ended up with kind of documents all over the place now, which is its own challenge in a way. All of my personal stuff is stored both on this very big uh, network attached storage that I have at the house, but oftentimes duplicated in the cloud. So for example, I brought up Google Photos earlier, and all of my pictures are duplicated in Google Photos. And I also use uh, CrashPlan as an online backup solution. And I use Dropbox for anything that I consider super important that wants to travel between devices. So I don't, I wouldn't say I rely on the cloud because there's nothing I can think of that I don't also have locally, but um, I certainly do embrace the cloud as backups. However, a quick anecdote, which, which I thought was really fascinating was I recently started a new job in February and this new employer is all in on Google apps. And it occurred to me that I have almost nothing on my MacBook Pro that work gave me that isn't living somewhere else. We use Google Apps, we use GitHub for our code, we use uh, Google Drive for all of our document sharing and that sort of thing. So the actual, like my documents folder outside of copies of all of our code bases has almost nothing, which I thought was an absolutely fascinating change from the way I'm used to doing things. And and so far, I like it because, you know, if this computer goes in the drink for some reason, not that I would ever do that, no. uh, then, then it's really not that big a deal because there's so very little that's unique to it. I'm using Dropbox as my primary, and I would say that I use it. I use it when I know that I want to have access to it in various places, but I don't. I don't put everything in there. I actually was realizing that I've got a lot of old stuff in my Dropbox folder. That although Dropbox has got room for it, I kind of don't want it in there uh, because I don't need to have it on my iMac that's got a that's got a 500 uh, gigabyte SSD because it's taking up space and it doesn't need to be there. And I should archive that like somewhere else or throw it in a folder that I don't sync using. 
selective sync on Dropbox. But but I do put things in there. There are stories I'm working on where I think I might start it on the Mac and then pick it up on the iPad and then move it back to the Mac again. Anytime that I'm transferring files or uh, working on projects with other people, that's what I'm putting in the cloud more than anything else. Um, and I'm comfortable with that. I, I would probably move more stuff to the cloud. Um, I, I would consider it. The, the challenge is that sometimes I'm working with very large files and I, I don't want them in the cloud. So when Apple lets me with uh, Sierra uh, sync my documents and uh, desktop folders to iCloud Drive, even though I've got a lot of space on iCloud Drive, I'm not going to turn that feature on because I keep like podcast projects on my desktop and I just don't want it to bother. Uh, and you can't exclude. So I, I, I don't want it to bother with those. Those are huge files. I want to I want to take control of those. So I like having the ability to put things, take control. That was a plug for Tanya. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd like to uh, I'd like to I'd like to keep control of that stuff and have the stuff that is in the cloud that I want and the stuff that isn't uh, that I don't want. And uh, and so that's that's sort of how I'm approaching it right now. I say I asked this question partly because I've been fascinated watching my son, who is 17, become a Chromebook user. And I don't think yeah. he's going to go to college with an Apple laptop because he loves that he can basically log in wherever he is and uh, get to his stuff. I was also intrigued and hoping that we'd get like a cloud curmudgeon in this group. But it, it, sounds, like, <laughs> it sounds like you guys are a lot like me. And I'm super comfortable in the cloud. And one thing that got me there really fast is I really, really enjoy collaborating on written documents with other people online. And I know some of the people I work with, um, it's like their fingers freeze up with stage fright and they they can't do that. Um, But I enjoy it so very much to be working in something like a shared Google Doc and to see other people typing on the screen, hopefully not in the same sentence I'm in, but you know somewhere else, to literally see them typing as I'm typing. Maybe it's like how some people feel when they're singing in a, in a choir. A few years back, I put my entire documents folder on my main Macintosh into Dropbox. And uh, that's worked really great, too. Effectively, all my stuff is in the cloud. And um, I now, when I need to get to my files on my laptop, they're right there in Dropbox for me. I uh, did make a few exceptions on that. Kind of what uh, Dan was saying uh, for files where it might be like really bad if the wrong person got their hands on them. Things like uh, estate planning documents and business records with employee or contractor social security numbers. I've taken special steps to actually keep those out of the cloud, but I think they're going to go in the cloud soon. It's just that I need to up my encryption game and think really carefully about it. And that's because I think I'm going to be doing a lot more travel in the next five years, and I want my job to be able to come with me so I don't have to be home at my desk to get at those files. All right. uh, That's great. We have four topics down. We've got time for our bonus topic. I want to tell you our bonus topic this week brought to you by Hover. When you have a great idea for your project, your blog, uh, your store, your startup, whatever it is, any project, you've got a side project, whatever, you need to give it a great domain name. And finding the perfect domain name is ridiculously easy. It's just amazing. With Hover, you type in some concepts and go, and you got a domain. When all you want to do is buy a domain name or email address, you don't need to uh, have an opt-out of page after page of add-ons that you don't want or need. Hover only offers domains and email, so you can focus on finding a great domain name and then just get back to working on that great project that you're working on. They believe you shouldn't have to pay for things that should already be included with your domain. Most people don't realize when you register a domain name, your contact information, including email, phone number, and even your home address, can be published online for marketers, spammers, and hackers to find in what's called the Whois 
Whois database, unlike most other domain providers, Hover includes free Whois privacy with all supported domains to keep your information confidential. They don't tack that on and charge you an extra fee to keep your information private. So find the perfect domain name for your idea by going to Hover.com and using the promo code KEEPWATCHING at checkout to save 10% off your first purchase. Thank you to Hover for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, it's bonus topic time. Dan, what's our bonus topic? Well, I really enjoy tabletop and board games. Got to play a few while my family was in town over this weekend. So my question for you was any perennial or recent favorites in that department? My semi-recent favorite, even though I don't think the game is that new, is a game called Forbidden Island. Oh, yeah. It's really best with four players, and it's cooperative. And basically, you're trying to get some like uh, artifacts or totems or what have you off of an island as it's sinking. And the game board represents the island, and as turns go on, the, the board shrinks it's either everyone wins or everyone fails and it's kind of like this program in that it only lasts about half an hour give or take we had a family vacation and we played a classic game but not one that i had ever played before which is munchkin from steve jackson games which is sort of like playing dungeons and dragons except uh, everybody's got like cards and there's a board to keep the score you know you're trying to get your score but also prevent people from winning and uh, the game gets really weird when somebody gets close to winning uh it's a lot of fun so munchkin I adore Boggle, but not just Boggle. My all-time favorite game is Big Boggle. Big Boggle has a 5x5 letter grid instead of the 4x4 in normal Boggle. The letters in the grid change with each round of the game, and you race against time to find real words in the grid, and your goal is to find more words than any other player. I adore this game because when the timer is going, I'm just totally in the game. I can't think about anything else. So it's actually kind of relaxing for me. I also adore it because honestly, I am crazy good at it. And sometimes <laughs> I have to not try very hard or nobody will ever want to play with me again. Uh, a good choice all around. I got code names, which is about uh, guessing words and giving clues to words. A little bit tabooish in some way, um, but it's a lot of fun. I Everybody I have played it with has found it as addicting as I have. So those are my recommendations. And thank you all for yours. Uh, and I believe that takes us to the end of the show. So all that remains is for us to thank our two guests. Casey Liss, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's fun as always. Antonia Anks, thank you so much for being here, too. Thank you. This is super fun. And all that's left to do, Dan, is to remind everyone out there, we'll see them next week. But until then, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.